Good morning in Kutzloritz. Good afternoon in Eretz Yisrael. We're broadcasting from the Breslov New Hempstead Shul in Muncie, New York. I had the incredible privilege of being here again for a Shabbos. Fantastic, wonderful, wonderful shul. Baruch every good way. And we, we're continuing the Shir and Chaim Aran. We dedicate the Shir, Leilu Nishmas, Tuvya Barabisro Yitzchok, Yerachmiel Daniel ben Gedalia, and Rosa ben Bas Itamar. And also for a complete Rafu Shalema for all those that need it, including Chaviva Chana Basgalia, Eitanuel ben Edna, Tuvya Tzvi ben Chayaliza, Yuspehendel Bas Gitalea, Sorocha Bas Yuspehendel, Aviv Ilana Bas Yuspehendel, Soralea Bas Chavaliba, Shimon Zvulun ben Soralea, Yehudis Ruchama Bas Chavarus, Mazel Bas Zahava, and the, the, the daughter of Luna Patricia, who needs a refuah shalema, the Soich Sharchol Yisrael. And I, always, I also want to dedicate the shir today for the Hatzlacha of a close friend, Shmuel ben Malka, who made a Chanukah Sabayis in a new home last night. Shem should help that he and all of us should be zeichet to mazel and bracha. Today is Tesvav Elul, the 15th of the month, a full moon, which is itself a, a simon of bracha, should be a simon of bracha for all of Klal Yisrael. We're a half a month away from Rosh Hashanah, and the topic we're speaking about in Chaim Aran is, is Uman, the time that Rabbeinazar spent in Uman, those last five months or so of his life that he spent there. Before we continue in Chaim Aran, I'd like to address the questions that people are asking and raising regarding those that are going, planning on going to Uman this year. Tovshin Pei Gimel, when there is still a war going on between Russia and Ukraine, and people have different questions about it. There are different people putting out statements. A close friend of mine, Aaron Meyer, the son of Reb Shlomo Meyer, who happens to be sitting Shiva right now for a parent that was Nifter, <clears throat> mentioned that his father, Reb Shlomo Meyer, one of the Talmidei Chachamim in Breslev in Lakewood, pointed out to him that in Sefer Hamidois, the Aleph Bey's book, in the chapter on Tzaddik, Paragraph 148, Kuf which happens to be Begimatria Rabbeinazal's name, Nachman. Rabbeinazal says there, Ir Shehitzayis es Hatzadik, a city that listens to the Tzadik, Ein Melchomo Nishmaizbo. A war will not be heard in that city, the Ein Mahuma, and there are no disturbances. The Ein and there'll be no bad news, no negative news. And in the, the sources that are brought for this, a Pasuk in Tehillim, chapter 144, Pasuk Yudalid, the Pasuk says, Alufenu misubolim, ein peretz, ve'en yoitzeitz, ve'en tzvocha berchoivoisenu. And Rashi Kodesh points out over there, that the word alufenu, alufenu means our leaders, gedolim shabonu, nizbolim al katnehem. And Rashi says, shahaktanim nishmoim ligdolim, when the, when the gedolim are listened to by the ktanim, 
And as a result of that, there's no parrots, there's no breach. So the, 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 the addition that's mentioned here, so that a city where they listen to the tzaddik, and the, the youth, the young ones, listen to the elders, this war between Russia and the Ukraine began about six, seven months ago. <clears throat> and there's been a lot of action in different parts of the Ukraine. But Baruch Hashem, from the time that the war began till today, there are hundreds of people traveling to Uman. They haven't been able to use the local airports, which we're used to using in Kiev, in Odessa, because the airspace in Ukraine is being blocked by the, the Soviet Air Force <clears throat> and by the Ukrainians who understand that planes shouldn't be flying in their country right now. But people have been coming into the Ukraine via the surrounding countries, Moldova, Poland, Hungary, Romania, all kinds of different places. Baruch Hashem, we have not heard of any, any problem at all that any person had, any major problem at all, any threat to life in going there in the time that they spent in Oman and in returning to whatever, wherever they returned to. And there are different opinions regarding this, just like there are different opinions in every issue in life and especially in Yiddishkeit. The, the Posik and Eicha, one of the first Pesukim and Eicha says, Rabosi Bagoyim. And the Gemara says, Rabosi Badeois. That in Klal Yisrael, there are many opinions, many opinions regarding every issue. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But as of now, the majority of the Rabonim in Breslov are planning on being in Uman for Rosh Hashanah. Some of them are there already. And Baruch Hashem, the people that are there are busy with two things, Torah and Tefillah. We know that in Shemayin Esrei, we have the bracha that speaks about tshuva. We're in Elul now. This is the, the season, the main season for tshuva. The bracha points out two things. Hashiveinu avinu lesoira secha, v'korveinu malkeinu lavoida secha, v'achzireinu b'shuva shleim lofnecha. Hashem, return us to the Torah, bring us close to avoida. Avoida is tefillah. The Gemara says, ulovdoi b'chol avavchem is tefillah. V'achzireinu b'shuva shleim That that's real. Rab Nosanzal says in Likute Alochais, that if a person wants to know what is tshuva, tshuva is Torah and Tefillah. That's the tshuva, correcting anything that's been lacking, anything that's be, been deficient in Torah and Tefillah. And Torah obviously includes both departments, Bein Odom Lamokoim and Bein Odom both issues. And Baruch Hashem, the Breslov Hasidim in Oman, those that are there, and generally throughout the world, are busy with these two things, Torah and Tefillah. Baruch Hashem, in Oman, there are very few distractions so that you have men and bochrim that are that are burning rubber, as we say in Yiddish. They're, they're learning and davening. Many are getting up at midnight, even though there is a curfew in Uman that's been imposed by the Ukrainian government, that from 11 p.m. at night till 5 a.m., people are not allowed to be on the streets. And that's okay. That's okay. People shouldn't be on the streets. People shouldn't be walking 
from building to building. That period of time, the, the, the Pesach says, that there's a time to go into your room. There's a time to stay local. Rabbi Nezal speaks about his spoiledus. He speaks about a person going out into the fields for his spoiledus. He speaks about a person going to holy places, to Kivrei Tzadikim, to the Koyslam Arovi for his spoiledus. And Rabbi Nezal and Likutei Aloha, speaks about the incredible significance of having his spoiledus in your room. Going into your room. Whatever room a person is in, their living room, their bedroom, their, wherever it is, there's a time for everything. There's a time and place for everything. And Baruch Hashem, it seems that this year, more than in the past 200 years, there has never been the amount of tefillah for Rabbeinazal's Rosh Hashanah and for people going to Uman like there's been this year, Baruch Hashem. All the Breslava Hasidim, the men, the children, the women, being mispalel for the safety of this project, and for the Hatzlach of this project. And we hope and we believe that with Hashem's help, Rabbeinazal's Rosh Hashanah is going to be Matzliach Betachlis Hashlemus. Rabbeinazal was not adamant about too many things. He wasn't insistent. Rabbeinazal writes, he was not action about just about anything except Rosh Hashanah. When it came to Rosh Hashanah, Rabbeinazal was very, very serious, and he said, no exceptions that a person should not take for themselves any excuses. Obviously, there could be extenuating circumstances. We're not judging in any way any of the people who feel they can't go and they shouldn't go. We wish them a good geben shior. We wish them hatzlocha. We wish all of Kal Yisrael hatzlocha in all of our tefillahs everywhere in the world. But Rabbi Nezal said, those who listen to me those who listen to me should take my words very serious regarding this item, that the place to be is with Rabbi Nezal for Rosh Hashanah. There are times that there are extenuating circumstances when people couldn't be <clears throat> during certain times of communist, when communist Russia, when it wasn't possible to have a kibbutz in Uman. So there was a kibbutz in Miron, there was a kibbutz in Yerushalayim, there was a kibbutz in Borough Park. There was a kibbutz in different places where the Breslavers got together to daven to Hashem with Rabbeinazal. Rabbeinazal said, when 10 of my followers got to get together, I'll be there. And we believe that wherever there is such a holy kibbutz, it draws the presence of the tzaddik. But when it is possible, and for those whom it is possible to be able to go, it's an incredible privilege that in many ways is above all else, above all else, to be to be by, by the tzaddik. Regarding an element of risk, an element of danger, we have a source in the Chumash. We don't have to look very far. We don't have to go into to hidden svarim. In the Chumash, the Torah tells us that when the Maraglim, when Moshe Rabbeinu sent the Maraglim to Eretz Yisrael, at that time, there were giants roaming in Eretz Yisrael, and their base, their home base, was the city of Hebron. And the Torah tells us that there were 12 Maraglim. Ten of them brought catastrophe to Klal Yisrael. Ten of them are responsible for Tishabov, for the destruction of the first base of Mikdosh, second base of Mikdosh, World War I, many, many other tragedies. Hashem's that, that, that are 
that the 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 sin of the Maraglim has plays a major role in the suffering of Klal Yisrael throughout all the generations. The two out of the twelve that did not participate, that the Torah lists as pure tzaddikim, were Yehoshua, who had the closest relationship with Moshe Rabbeinu. The Torah testifies about him. He's nar lo yomish He never left Moshe Rabbeinu. And Rabbi Nelson Zal explains, lo yomish doesn't mean that he didn't live at home. He lived in Moshe Rabbeinu's tent. It means that even when he was at home with his family, he was connected to Moshe Rabbeinu. He was never Messiah Das from his Kesher to the Tzaddik. That was Yehoshua. Kolev ben Yefuna was not Yehoshua. No two people are alike. No two people have the same connection to the Tzaddik or to Hashem. The Torah tells us, Vayovoy ad Chevroim, that Kolev ben Yefuna went alone by himself into the city of Chevroim. Hebron today is a dangerous place for a nice Jewish boy or a nice Jewish girl to go to Hebron alone is not recommended. It's dangerous. And in those days, the Torah tells us it was dangerous also. So the Zohar Kodesh mentions, how is he allowed to go? We know the Torah tells us that a Jew is not supposed to, we're not supposed to put ourselves in danger. The Gemara says, when Hashem told Shmuel Hanavi that I'm disappointed in Shol HaMelech, and I want you to go anoint, go to the family of Yishai, travel to where Yishai lives, and go anoint one of his sons to be the new king. This is during Shaul Hamela's lifetime. So Shmuel Anavi says to Hashem, but how, how could I do that? How could I do that? If Shaul Hamela finds out, he'll kill me. person would say that for that, Shmuel Anavi deserves Chashon Yishai of Misa. What kind of chutzpah? That's what you say to Hashem? Hashem tells you to do something, and you tell Hashem, how could I do that? I'm afraid Shoal HaMelech will find out and he'll kill me. That's not the response in the Gemara. The Gemara says, Hashem said to him, you're right. You're right. That's, what's, that's what it says in the Torah, that a Jew is not supposed to put himself in danger. Therefore, take with you animals, an animal, so that if anybody asks you what, where you're going, what, you, what you're coming for, they'll say, I'm coming to bring sacrifice. In those days, there was no base Hamikdosh yet. They were allowed to make a Mizbeach in their backyard or their front yard and offer a korban there on a bama, it's called, a personal Mizbeach. That's what you'll do. So you won't have to tell anybody what your real mission is. So the Gemara says from here we see that in a place where there's danger, where danger is prevalent, a person is not allowed to put themselves in that position. So the Gemara asks, so now the question is, the Zohar Kodesh asks, what about Kolei ben Yefune? How is he allowed to go to Hebron? And the answer is that's given is, he understood that going to Hebron was dangerous, not going to Hebron was more dangerous. To be with the Maraglim on this mission and not have the protection of the Tzadikim, not have the protection of Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, the Mara he knew was more dangerous. And therefore he made the right choice he went into Hebron alone. He was mispalel by the Ma'ora Samachpela, by Kivrei Tzadikim, and he was Matzliach Betachles Hashlemus. Today also, those that want to go, those that are going to Uman for Rosh Hashanah, we're going there for protection. We're not going there for danger. We're going there for protection for ourselves and our families and all of Klal Yisrael. 
which needs major protection today everywhere. We see news every day coming out of, not out of Janine, out of Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim Irakoidish, Kever Shmuel Anavi, Kever Rochel, the Koisel, that our enemies there are carrying guns and knives and Maltov cocktails and not afraid to shoot at, at soldiers, to shoot at soldiers, at police, throw rocks, throw firecrackers at police. There's a level of Hefkeris in the world where the world is a mokim sheshchicha ezeka, the entire world, unfortunately, and all of us need shmira protection. We hope that especially those yidden that, that are davening at kivrei tzadikim in general, and especially at the kever of this tzadik, who offered a guarantee that no other tzadik said. This tzadik said, if you come to my kever and you say these 10 kapitlach of Tehillim, and you give stock on my behalf, I will do everything I possibly can to help you. And Rabbi Nezal said that as much as I can help a Jew throughout the year, a tzaddik can help a Jew all the time. Rabbi Nezal said, what I can do on Rosh Hashanah, I cannot do the entire year, that there are things that I cannot do during the rest of the year, but for those who come to me for Rosh Hashanah, I can. And coming to Rabbi Nezal for Rosh Hashanah means being there on Erev Rosh Hashanah, Going to the kever, it means davening, the slichos, if at all possible, the slichos of Erev Rosh Hashanah with the kibbutz, with all the people that are davening there together. And then on Erev Rosh Hashanah, going to the kever of the tzaddik to be mispalel for, to Hashem, for ourselves, our families, all of Klal Yisrael. And then on the two days of Rosh Hashanah itself, davening together, together with the kibbutz, the large gathering of people who are coming to the tzaddik for Rosh Hashanah. We should be zeicher that the, the Rosh Hashanah, Rabbi Nezal's Rosh Hashanah, should be matzliach betachles hashleimus. No one should be harmed. My Rebbe, Reb Michal Dorfman, used to start davening from Moitzoy Rosh Hashanah. Not, not, to, not this year, but 20 years ago, 30 years ago, Moitzoy Rosh Hashanah, he would start davening that the next, the upcoming Rosh Hashanah, 364 days from now, should be Matzliach. And no one should be harmed on the way there, while they're there, on the way back. And this year, Baruch Hashem, many of us have realized how much tefillah is needed for this. There are tefillahs going on like never before. We hope and pray that Hashem will continue to watch over and protect all those going to Ukraine, all those coming to Eretz Yisrael, all those going to all the different places, all those in travel. The Gemara says, Kol hadrochim becheska sakona. All roads, all travel is dangerous. That's why we have a tefillah saderach, that before a person goes on any major trip, there's a special tefillah that said, pleading with Hashem for protection. My Rebbe, Reb Michal Dorfman, when he lived in Yerushalayim, when he lived in Geula, a very safe neighborhood. And at night, he would go to the mikveh a half a block away from his house. He would say tefillah saderach. He would say tefillah without shame malchus, without Hashem's name. He would say tefillah, I'm going out at night alone in the middle of Yerushalayim. Hashem should watch over me. I shouldn't meet anyone I'm not supposed to. I shouldn't be harmed. Not, no, I shouldn't be harmed on anything. Nothing. Sh- no one should harm me. I shouldn't harm anything. To be safe and well, we should be zeichet that all of Kali Yisrael 
should continue our tefillos for the safety of all of Am Yisrael and Bizarcha to see Hashem's infinite kindness and to see the great power of the tzaddikim, that if a tzaddik of this caliber said, come to me for Rosh Hashanah, that, that those that, that adhere to this, that only bracha, only bracha, only Yeshua, only Hatzlacha will come out of it for them and for those that aren't able to go, that don't go, should see every kind of Yeshua and Refua and Hatzlacha that all of us need. Any questions, please? Yes. Question. Question. Recently, there was a terrible tragedy on, on Lag Boimer in Miron by the Kever of Rabbi Shimon Bar that that people got hurt terribly. The, the answer is that obviously Hashem knew that that's those people, that was the time that they had to leave the world. <clears throat> And, and that some of the parents of children who passed away, there were people that the response was that I know that this per the person had to pass away at this time. How fortunate we are, how blessed we are that they passed away at this holy place, at this holy time. There are stories about in, in, in Miron, uh, approximately a, a hundred years ago or less, that there was a child, there was a, a magefa, and there was a child that passed away that died. And the mother couldn't, didn't want to accept it. She said, I'm not going home. I brought this child here. I'm not going home without this child. And she went into the kever of Rabbi Shema and she started crying and crying, pleading and pleading. She said her tefillah. And then shortly afterwards, they heard the, the, the baby, the, the child screaming, screaming, mommy, mommy. And they brought a drink and there was a tchias amesim. People made the bracha that a person makes when they witness tchias amesim. So, we, we see both. There, there are times, there are certain times that a tragedy must take place. And it's not happening because the person went there. The person was supposed to pass away at that time. There were, these people were registered as Kedoshim, that they passed away in such a way. And, and again, if there were any people who were irresponsible in, not, in, in blocking entrances, blocking exits, said people were forced to go out through a very narrow exit that was impossible to go out in any orderly fashion. The, the, there's, a, there's a Gemara that says, Toiv Shebaroifim Ligehenim, that the best doctor goes to Gehenim. So the Chidor, the Chidor, one of the great Sadikim, Rabbi Chaim Yosef David Azuloi, of the Sfarim, who wrote so many Sfarim in, in Halacha, in Kabbalah, in Drush, and everything, the Chidot says, who is this referring to? He says, the Gemara says, that there's no such thing as illness or suffering without sin. That suffering is a result of sin. So if that's the case, who's the best doctor? A person who can cure a person from their sins. A person who can help erase our sins. How does one get their sins erased? One of the ways is when a person is insulted or embarrassed. The Gemara says a person who commits a sin and is embarrassed, the person is forgiven for all of their sins. Rabbi Nezal writes about this in Likut Imran, the famous chapter 6 in Likut Imran, which speaks about tshuva, speaks about Elul, and says that one of the most powerful forms of tshuva 
is when a person is being insulted or embarrassed and they don't answer back. They accept it in a, in a positive way. So the Chidor writes, Toiv Shebaroifim, the best doctor is a person who insults somebody, embarrasses somebody, because as a result, the person gets all their Averis erased and, and there's no more, no more sicknesses or anything. But the Gemara says, you don't want to be the person, you don't want to be the person that's chosen to do that, to insult or embarrass the other person. So if there was any negligence or irresponsibility on the part of people who could have allowed normal people to be able to get in and out in a normal, reasonable way, like, like every year. And instead, this, that, that time when that happened, they closed entrances and exits. And the only way to get out was through a narrow exit, which had a steel floor that was wet, that it was impossible not to slide, not to fall. People, people couldn't realize that. They didn't see it. They didn't know. And, and Rahman al-Islam, this tragedy was caused. Hashem should forgive all those that need the forgiveness. Question? Would it be good to insult our close friends? Would it be good to insult our close friends? The answer is not unless they ask for it. If somebody says, could you please do me a favor? I really feel that I need a kapora. And I, I'd like to get it quickly in, you know, if you could please insult me, that might be a, a, an opportunity. Other than that, we just said toiv shebaroifim, that it's a danger, it's a very dangerous thing to do to insult or embarrass a Jew, chas v'shom. Any other questions? Yes. I'm sorry, I think somebody else was going to say something. I interrupted somebody, no? No, uh, my question is, is there any, I think you kind of answered, uh, is there any insult that is, is acceptable, it's, it's correct to be done, because, you know, it's a recurring issue for me, there are bad people out there, <laughs> and I'm not sure if, if saying nothing is better than insulting and in exposing, otherwise, the idea is that we're all uh, being accomplices to certain behavior, we see this every time, so insulting, yes, it's a very serious and delicate action but the question is is there any situation in which the insulter is 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 fine it's not going to be like you said you don't want to be the one insulting the other person but is there any situation that that is called for because otherwise i mean you're going to see horrors and say nothing about it the answer is most definitely most definitely there are situations but again a person needs to study torah study the Gemara, study the Halachas, to be able to see when a person is not permitted to be silent. When there's Chilol Hashem, when there's desecration of Hashem's name, there it says there's no issue of respect for any, even if it's a Talmud Chacham that's doing it. We don't, we don't stand for that. We show, we, we protest against it, definitely. There, there are exceptions to just about every rule. Okay, but on, on, a gen, on a general level, we're warned that this is something that a person would want to avoid very, very much so. Okay, thank you very much. Sure. Question in the chat, is traveling to Uman Mokoim Sakona? <clears throat> the, the answer is that going into Ukraine, and knowing that there's a war going on in another part of the Ukraine is obviously Sakona. And all travel, we said, we quoted the Gemara, that the reason why the Torah obligates us 
to say a special tefillah when a Jew is traveling anywhere in Eretz Yisrael, Lahavdal in America, anywhere. There's a special tefillah, tefillah saderach that must be said because traveling, when a person is traveling, they're more, one, they're more vulnerable, they're less safe usually than in their own home. When a person is in the protective walls of their own home or their own shul, even though unfortunately there are times that tragedies occur there also, we know that. But as a general rule, we're assumed to be more safe inside the walls of our own home or a place like that than when a person is traveling, any type of travel. Okay, let's continue now in Chaim Aran. We're up to the section where it speaks about during the time period when Rabbein Azal lived in Sorry, Uman. Did have a question? Well, please, go ahead, please. First, I just want to appreciate the other, the questioner that asked about whether it's appropriate to make an insult and uh, that a person really has to be a Ben Torah. Um, I, I've mentioned my story before and it's only gotten um, larger over the last couple of years. You know, when I first posed the question about the, uh, the, the China biblical frauds, um, I did not know that it was connected to the Bidens. And by the hand of Rabbeinu, somehow my story is now, and I, I just actually want to say, I, I entered something that's driving me a little crazy, and I asked for support from, from the Rav and also from people listening to the call. But my story now is at the top of the Google on every computer on the earth, if anyone Googles Joe Biden China hustle, or Hunter Biden, China hustle. All the stories are about me. And I followed the mitzvah 10 or 11 years ago of tzedek, tzedek, tirdo. I was just trying to get my money back from making a mistake investing in electric bikes. When I was in Uman a few years ago, I would talk to people coming and I would ask them, you know, do you hear about China buying up property? Everybody knew counterfeiting the money and uh, nobody knew it was, I just want to ask the Rav, because of my story and what I, happened to me, in some ways, I feel like I exposed the biggest theft, bribery scam, and cover-up in U.S. history. And that's at the top of the Google algorithm. And anyone now can check it, Joe Biden, China Hustle. I would like to ask the Rav about bribery. We know it's mentioned in the Torah and cover-ups and, and thefts, because that seems to be that somehow, because of the little Judaism I knew, God picked me to uncover something 11 years ago that's now at the top of the Google everywhere in the world. And I just, again, want us for prayers for people because I'm going a little insane from it. We, we are living in an Olam Hasheker. We are living in a, a world of falseness, unfortunately. The Torah says that when dealing with people, respect him and suspect him. That's even when a person is dealing with Jewish people, how much more so when we're, when we're dealing with non-Jews. There's tremendous, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of things going on that, that aren't proper. It says regarding the flood during the time of Noyach, that when Hashem actually flicked the switch and turned on the flood, the straw that broke the camel's back was gezel, was stealing that this is something that, that displeases Hashem in a very big way. And, and unfortunately, we're living in a world where this is prevalent in many different ways. And we're told that when a person comes before the heavenly court, the first question, according to many opinions, the first question that the person is asked is, did you conduct business in, an, in a trustworthy manner? 
So that the Torah is very, very specific about to what extent Hashem wants us to be honest and, and that a person should not be comfortable having someone else's money in their pocket, et cetera, et cetera. But this is a reality. This is a reality. Hashem should help that all of the, all of the inappropriate things that were done, all the thefts and stealing that the Jewish people suffered. We know that the, the Torah says that at one point, the Egyptians approached Alexander the Great and said to him, you're the, you're the ruler of the world now. You are the judge, the ultimate judge in the world. We have a case. We want to bring a case against the Jewish people. In their Bible, in the Torah, it says that before they left Egypt, they borrowed gold and silver. They took all the gold and silver of the, of the Egyptians, and it was never returned to us. So they owe us billions, billions and billions. And the Jews at that time selected somebody to represent them in, in the presence of Alexander the Great. And he said that the, their claim is obviously legitimate, 100%, but we have a counterclaim that we had millions of Jews in Egypt enslaved for 210 years. No minimum wage, no moderate wage, no, no wages at all. Slavery for 210 years. Millions of Jews. If we make a count, let's, let's do the calculation of what they owe us. And we'll deduct the balance of what we owe them. And we're more than happy to. And, and the, the Torah says that night, the Egyptians fled and were never to be seen again. The case was closed. We know that today, a major part of the wealth of the world, whether it's Germany and other countries, is unfortunately Jewish money that was misappropriated that was taken away in all kinds of horrific ways. In Spain, the Spanish Inquisition, all of our world monarchies and, and, and countries. And we know, we believe in Hashem, we believe that there'll come a time that Hashem is going to set everything right. We should be zerched to see all the Jewish wealth returned to Klal Yisrael. I, I joke with people sometimes <clears throat> that 50 years ago, if a person would have donated a million dollars to Breslov, they would have gotten 800,000 change. They would have gotten back 800,000 because there wasn't what to do with it. Today, if Hashem will bless <clears throat> the religious world with billions and trillions of dollars, there's what to do with it. There's very good use that could be done. All the schools, the yeshivas and the shuls and all the, the poor people that are honest, legitimate holy Jews that could benefit tremendously from this. We should be zerched to see the transfer of all the Jewish money from all the generations being returned to Klal Yisrael. In Chaim Oran, paragraph 195, Rav Zal writes, the two weeks after Rabbi Nachman arrived in Uman, and he was still staying in the residence of this Nachman Nassen, who we mentioned earlier, who was one of the major atheists in Maskilim at that time in, in Oman, who had passed away a year before. Rabbi Zal was talking to Rabbi Nassenzal about Yiras Hashem, about respect for Hashem and fear of Hashem. And he asked Rabbi Nassenzal, do you cry sometimes? Do you cry to Hashem? And Rabbi Nassau spoke up and he said that right now we are at the edge, at the edge 
of Klal Yisrael, at the end of the line, in a sense, in a place where the boundary of the Jewish nation comes to an end. Because everything in this world has an end. Meaning that even Klal Yisrael has, has an end. That there's a place where the holiness of Klal Yisrael stops. Where from there further, the holiness of Klal Yisrael cannot go past that line in a sense. And, and from that point on, people are very far from Hashem. And Rabbi Nezal said, we're in that place right now, in Uman. And, and Rabbi Nezal said, therefore, therefore we need, we need tremendous protection that we shouldn't stumble. We shouldn't commit any sins here. Because Rabbi Nezal recognized at that time that the city of Uman had these maskilim in it, these people who were promoting atheism, denial of Hashem, Chastashon. But then Rabbi Nezal added, but despite this, <coughs> they definitely will not be able to shake us at all from our holiness, because we are very solid in our loyalty and our commitment to Hashem, and therefore, in terms of our opinions, in terms of our ideology, there's no way in the world they're going to be able to shake us at all with their nonsense, with their shtus. Because regarding our neshama, regarding our soul, regarding our spirituality, we're solid, we're very strong, and they won't be able to harm us at all with any of their chachmas chitzonius, with any of their philosophy or any of their mistaken ideology. It's only, only when it comes to chitzonius, when it comes to gashmius, like food and things like that, there we need special shmira that we shouldn't stumble, chas We shouldn't, chas eat anything we're not supposed to. And, and for this, we need that Hashem should watch over us. And we need to plead with Hashem that Hashem should watch over us and protect us that we shouldn't be nichshal in any wrong type of eating. We know that all the problems of the world began with eating. The first instruction that Hashem gave to Adam and Chava related to eating, that you're allowed to eat all of this, you're not allowed to eat from there. And unfortunately, by breaking that law, that's what brought death to the world, that's what brought all these suffering to the world, Rahman al-Tzlan. Then Rabbi Nezal went on to say that regarding everything that's going on in the world, even among the non-Jews, regarding how they conduct themselves, how they dress and everything, <clears throat> nothing, is, nothing is for naught. Everything has a reason. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a root to it. And even a person who doesn't know, who doesn't understand everything that's going on in the world, Still, when the person is zoichet to fulfill the will of Hashem, it's excellent. They're doing great. Ashray to that person. And Rabbi Nezal said, we need to plead with Hashem that we should be zoichet to know what Hashem wants from us and to be zoichet to do only what Hashem wants. But then Rabbi Nezal went on to say, but those people who have a higher level thought they do have an understanding of what's going on in the world. They see what's going on, and it's not all confusing to them. Some of the things they understand, what's behind it, 
that's definitely better. That's better, meaning that the heavens open up for such a person and all the Chachmais and Hashem shows the person what he's doing and in a sense why he's doing it. Just like it says in the beginning of the prophecy of Yecheskel Anovi, it says, Niftechu HaShamayim Vo'ere Maroi Selikim that the Novi Yecheskel said that the heavens opened up and I was able to see the divine activity, what, what Hashem was doing. Maroi Selikim. So Rabbeinazar writes here <coughs> that people that are Zorcha, the real true Chachamim, the Gemara says, Chacham Odif Minovi, that a Chacham is a true Chacham is a higher level than a prophet. So if Yecheskel Anovi was able to see Maroi Selikim, then a true Chacham certainly is able to see, see what Hashem is doing and be able to realize why certain things are happening. Because through Chachma itself, which opens up for the person, the heavens open up for the person. Because we know the Pasuk says, Kulam Chachma Asisa. Hashem created everything with Chachma. And then when a person is Zoycha, to see and, and understand on a certain level what Hashem is doing, then Hashem, such a person, a person who's on that level of Chachma, Hashem definitely watches over that person and protects that person from any mikshoel, from stumbling, from making any mistakes. And this is what's meant by the Pasuk, which the Zohar Kodesh begins with. The maskilim, those who have the true, true seichel of Kedusha, they shine like the sky, like the heavens shine. And again, Rabbi Nezal says, through this chachma and seichel that a person is zeichel to attain, through this, that person is zeichel that the heavens open up for that person. And then the person is zeichel to know to know what they're doing, to understand what they're doing, what's going on with them, and they have this special protection from any, any stumbling blocks. And now Rabbein is alerted, and this is what's hinted to in the fact that the first letters of this pasuk, Vehamaskilim Yazhiru Kezoyar Horokia, Vav Yud Heichof, actually make up a name of Hashem that's the name of Hashem for protection. That, that, <clears throat> that through this seichel, by a person being zeichel to attain this level of chachma of kedusha, the person receives this shmira, this protection from any mikshor. Because we know that when a person is going, traveling, traveling, and a person needs protection from thieves, from gazlon, roitzeach, thieves, murderers, it's brought that we say tefillah saderech. And the tefillah saderech, one of the psukim that we say there is ki malachov yitzav eloch. Hashem commands his angels lishmorcha, to watch over you, to protect you. And it's brought that the last letters of this psukim, ki malachov yitzav eloch, are the same letters, make up the name of this angel who's appointed to guard and protect people who are traveling. So Rabbi Nassau points out here that the name of this angel, Yudvav Heichov, <coughs> which is Kimalochavit Savaloch, 
is found in this pasuk, that those people who are to real chachma digdusha, that chachma gives them this tremendous shmira, this tremendous protection. This is also, look at the, the non-coincidence that we're learning this specifically now, when when major part of the people are preparing for this journey, for this trip. There's a custom also that when a person is going on a trip, that you're supposed to say a halacha. You're supposed to mention it. It's the Gemara says people should not part ways other than through a dvar halacha. And one of the most simple, basic halachas is yochid varabim halacha karabim. The Gemara says that when there's a debate in Torah and there's one rabbi who says like this, and there's a group of rabbis who disagree, usually the rule is an individual against a group, the law follows the majority, the law follows the group. The first letters of Yochid Verabim, Halacha Karabim, again, make up the name of this angel who's appointed over Shmira, a protection during travel. So very often when a person is going on a trip, a wife, a husband, they, one says to the other, this halacha, yochid verabim, halacha karabim, and those words, Hashem's angels should watch over us and protect us in all of our travels. Any questions, please? So this... This, this uh, last... Yudvav heichof. Yudvav Hey Chaf, Yochid Verabim Halacha Kirabim. Can we just think of that? The answer is a person can think of it, but it's much, it's more effective if a person recites the Pasuk or the statement and has in mind that we're pushing these buttons. Go ahead, please. Uh, so this Pasuk is, is not part of Tefilat Derech, right? This is an addition to it. Correct. In most Sidurim, where they have the Tfilah Saderach, the special Yehirotzoin, after that, they list a number of Psukim and a chapter of Tehillim, some additional things that should be said besides the actual blessing. And th this is one of the Psukim, Kim that Hashem commands and instructs His angels to watch over you in all of your travels. And also, who, who has a sechel uh, 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 kadosh? I mean, who does it have to be a rabbi? Does it have to be any uh, extremely learned person, or or can can just a regular person achieve that level of uh, of a sechel that's you know kadosh? The answer is it can relate to each person on their level. And here again, this person pointed out to me, the person who told me about the, what I quoted in the beginning of the Shira from Sefer Amidos, he mentioned there was another, that Rabbi Nachman opens the Likut Emran with the statement that through Torah, through the study of Torah, all of a person's requests are answered because the Torah places a chain, a grace upon the person, which ensures the person that all of their prayers and all of their requests will be granted. And, and this was mentioned that in terms of travel, especially when a person is traveling and there could be any issue of danger, 
one of the best things that the person can do for protection is to learn. For each person learning on their level is trying to connect to this seichel, to this holy seichel. Obviously, there are levels and levels. The higher a level, it's a Talmud Chacham. The higher a level of seichel, it could be more effective. But we know Hashem expects from us only what we are capable of. Hashem doesn't expect me to be Avram Avinu or Moshe Rabbeinu. Hashem expects me to do what I can. So if a person tries to use, to expand and increase their seichel as much as they can, and especially studying Torah when a person is traveling, obviously if they're not driving, we're not talking about you're driving and you're looking at a Sefer Chasisham, that's dangerous. Person has to be very careful when they're the driver or they're the pilot, you know, etc. But we're talking about a person who can study without endangering anybody. That again is one of the incredible protections in during all travel. We'll say listen to the rough shear while we travel. <laughs> Shavuot Tov, Rav Maimon. It was wonderful seeing you in Israel just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I have a specific question about this um, uh, subject that um, Rav Nasenzal is, is talking about in relation to physical access to the tzaddik. And now you had mentioned earlier, um, you know, there is a, a contingent that's going to the tzion of Rabbeinu Zal, but being that Rabbeinu Zal is, you know, uh, the tzaddik soto lam, it's, uh, he's our protection uh, if we don't, some of us don't have the physical access uh, to to get to him. What is um, another means aside from studying in mitzvot and um, or, or, you know working on our midot and everything else to gain his protection? Uh, you know, with avirot and, and whatnot. Rabbi Nachman writes in Likut Imran that the tzaddik places his face, his mind, <clears throat> and his soul in his teachings, in his writings. When a person is studying the words of a tzaddik, when a person is studying the sforim of Rabbi Nazal, the Likut Imran, the Sipraimaisius, the Seframidois, the sforim, looking at those words is a form of looking at the tzaddik. It's a form of going to the tzaddik and looking to the, at the tzaddik. No question about that. One of the things that people do sometimes when a person wants to go somewhere and they can't, they sponsor somebody else who's going there. I'm making you my shaliach. I'm making you my messenger to go on my behalf. We know that during the time that we had a Beis Hamikdash, a holy temple, all Jews were supposed to be involved. The Korban Tomid the daily sacrifice that was brought in the morning and the afternoon was supposed to be brought by all Jews. And the, the Gemara tells us that there were a contingent of Jews that were present at the time, and they served as shlichim, as messengers, on behalf of all of Klal Yisrael. My Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld, who passed away over 40 years ago, in those days, it was during communist Russia. We're talking about before perestroika, when it wasn't easy at all to get to Uman. You only, a, a person with Israeli citizenship couldn't go. It was only an American. And then sometimes there were many obstacles. 
when he would undertake such a trip, he would put together a list of names and he would say whoever wanted could donate $20 a name, you know, and I'll mention your name when I say Tikkun HaKloli in Uman. Before I begin, I'm going to say that I'm saying this Tikkun HaKloli as a shliach, as a messenger, with all the halachas of shlichas, with all of the technical laws per, pertaining to being a, a messenger on behalf of somebody else, that it should be considered exactly as if the person themselves was standing here now themselves reciting the Tikkun HaKloli. And he was very confident that this is a very powerful, special way of being able to accomplish this. So these are some of the ways. Wow. Yashukor, Shana Tava. Next paragraph, Kuf Tzadik Vav, 196. Rav Nusantal says that prior to this, again, Rav Nusantal was speaking to him about Yerushalayim and about crying to Hashem like a child crying to their parents over the fact that we feel so far from Hashem. Rav Nusantal spoke up and said that when I do tshuva, <coughs> it's far greater than when you're doing tshuva, because I do tshuva with the utmost of simplicity, where I feel genuine, sincere regret for the mistakes that I've made, and I feel really, really embarrassed and ashamed, and I accept upon myself that I'm not going to repeat that thing again, no matter what, I will never repeat that mistake. And Rabbi Nassim says, Rabbi Nassim commented to me, that he did tshuva over what he said earlier when they were riding on the wagon, when he was riding with Rav Nosenzal. They had left the city of Breslov and they were traveling towards Uman. And Rav Nosenzal met one of the students who had made arrangements for him to be able to stay in the home of this Nachman Nosen. Again, look, look at the, the incredible hashgacha that these two are traveling, Rabbi Nachman and Rav Nosen are traveling and they're traveling a hundred miles, more than a hundred miles away from Breslov to Uman. And they needed a house to, to, to rent a house there. And it just so happened that the house that was available was a house that had been owned by Nachman Nassim, who was a masculine. And that's the house that was rented for Rabbeinazal. And when Rabbeinazal heard this, he commented, he said, of course, the whole world is, is for us. The whole world is created for us. <laughs> and he said, Nachman Nassim are traveling here. And it seems Rabbi Nezal regretted having said it. Rabbi Nezal said that this was Maise Baldover. This was an act of the Yetzirah to get him to actually say this in order that it should be more difficult for him afterwards to be able to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish in Oman. So Rabbi Nezal says, I asked him, but what one moment, it, it was because this Reb Mordechai met us and he told you that he rent out. That's why you said it's not something you initiated. You saw him and he read. Rabbi Nezal said, so what? I shouldn't have said it at that time. I shouldn't have said anything about it. I shouldn't have commented at that time. I should have waited. I should have waited and I shouldn't have said it then. And if I would have waited, 
then I wouldn't have said it at all. I wouldn't have said anything about it. And this is an incredible, incredible lesson to us that Rabbeinazal was being so open. Rabbeinazal is pointing out that regarding himself, <clears throat> there was something that happened where the Yitzhahara wanted to get him to say something, knowing that if he says it, it could, it could be harmful to him in some way. And Rabbeinazal said, and I, I ended up saying it, and I, right afterwards I regretted, but he said, I did tshuva. I did a real tshuva. I felt terrible about it. I, I apologized. I, I felt sincere regret. And I made a commitment that, that I will not repeat that. I'll be much more careful before I say something in case it's something that shouldn't be said. If this is something that somebody on that could happen to somebody on that level, how much should we be careful when it comes to saying things, to choose our words very carefully and to think carefully whether something needs to be said or doesn't need to be said? Is, is my saying this now going to accomplish something? Or, or maybe I'm better off not saying it. And in the case of great tzaddikim, sometimes there's a question of revealing a secret, something that doesn't need to be said. <clears throat> we know the, the Gemara says, <laughs> that a servant <clears throat> doesn't try to be more than his master. The master of the world is Hashem. The tzaddikim are Hashem's servants. If Hashem keeps a low profile, if Hashem is hidden, we know the world that we're in is called Oilam. Oilam means a world. And the word Oilam means Ha'alama, hidden. The presence of Hashem in this world is hidden, very, very hidden. So tzaddikim also generally keep that kind of a profile. They keep themselves hidden, low profile, not broadcasting unless they have to. There are people that ask sometimes, how is it that Rabbeinazal made certain statements about himself, about his own greatness? Why would anybody do that? One of the reasons why he did it was because if he wouldn't do it, we wouldn't know. We wouldn't have, the Gemara says there's a halacha that if a Talmud Chacham comes into a city and the people don't know him there, he's required to inform them that he's a Talmud Chacham because otherwise they could mistreat him and will not show him the proper respect and be punished for it severely. There's the famous story with Rab Sadia Goin. We mentioned it not long ago, but we have the privilege of mentioning the name of one of these great tzaddikim again, that he was traveling and he came into a certain city very late at night and he's in the street. There's no, he needs a place to, to go indoors. He doesn't want to sleep in the street. So he looks for a home with a mezuzah. He looks this far and, and he sees a Jewish home and he feels terrible. He's not happy about the fact that it's late at night. Could be the people are sleeping. He knocks on the door. Okay? He knocks a little louder, and a person comes to the door, angry, grumpy. Who's going to come in this hour tonight? He says, I'm very sorry. I really feel terrible, but I have no place to sleep. Can I please come in? Can you give me? All right, come inside. And he puts him in a side room over there with a mattress or something. Go ahead. Okay, here you are. Good night. And he leaves. The next morning, it came time to get up to go to shul. Reb Sadiagoyen was probably certainly up early and went to shul there, and he came into the shul. And there were some of the people there that realized who this was, that this was one of the top giants of the generation, one of the top goinim, Reb Sadia Goin. And they, they, treat, they, they, they were in awe of his greatness and, and incredible respect. When this host saw what was going on and he saw this was the person who he took into his house and he gave him some mattress in a side room, he, started, he went over to him crying, begging forgiveness. I'm so sorry. 
I had no idea who you were. Had I known who you were, I would have kissed your feet. I would have pleaded with you to take my, my, realm, my, my bedroom. That would have given you everything in the world. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. So it's brought that a while later, they heard Reb Sadia going speaking to Hashem and crying, crying to Hashem that look what just happened to me, a human being. That here a person, he, he didn't throw me, he, he gave me a mattress. He gave, he showed me some, some respect. He took me into his house, gave me a mattress, this, that. And he's crying, crying over the fact that he didn't realize how great I was. Had he known how great I was, he would have treated me. What should we say regarding Hashem? That we have no idea how great Hashem is. And we treat Hashem the way we treat Hashem. Supposedly, we're showing Hashem respect. But if we had any idea as to how great Hashem really is, be something totally, totally different. And that's the concept Rabbi Nezal speaks about regarding Elul in Torah Vov about tshuva. That tshuva is not just for sins. Tshuva is for our mitzvahs. That when a person on Sunday does mitzvahs, and then and they're doing mitzvahs throughout the day, and hopefully they're growing, they're getting a little closer to Hashem. Now Monday morning comes and the person wakes up and they're not, hopefully they're not where they were Sunday morning. They've advanced a little bit. And if I've advanced, then yesterday I thought Hashem was 6 million. Today I realize Hashem is 12 million. I have a, a higher level of realization, recognition of the greatness of Hashem. So I'm ashamed and embarrassed of how I perceived Hashem yesterday, how I served Hashem yesterday. If I would have felt yesterday what I feel today, I would have davened much better. I would have learned much better. I would have done every mitzvah better. This is part of the tshuva process. We should be zerche to try every day to get closer to Hashem, to learn a little bit more about Hashem in the Torah from the tzaddikim, and be zerche that Hashem should have rachmonas on us and watch over us and protect us and bless us with all the brachas that Hashem has to give Klal Yisrael. We should be zerche that all of Klal Yisrael everywhere in the world should be protected from any harm and be zerche to close the year the, this week we're reading Parshas Kisovoi, which has the Toichacha in it, which is a whole series of curses of Hashem saying, you're not going to listen to me. You're going to have this pain and this suffering and this tragedy, all kinds of terrible things. So the, the Medrash or the Gemara asks, why, why do we read this at the end of the year? Right before Rosh Hashanah, right before the... So the, says the, the, the reason is, we say, let the year end with all of its curses, with all of its problems and suffering, and the new year should be clean without any suffering, without any problems or pain whatsoever. Should be zeche, by, by reading this parsha this week, studying this parsha, that all of these curses and sicknesses should go on our enemies, on the enemies of Klal Yisrael. And Hashem should give us these oil, because it shows how in the, in the Toichach of Kisavoy, it's all really blessings. It's disguised as curses, but in reality, it's blessings. We should be zerchet to the Birkas Hashem, to the Gula Shleim of Amen.